I don't know if you've ever been to a first Wednesday around here, but first Wednesday is now second Wednesday <laughs> after vacation. So this Wednesday at seven o'clock here, you're going to get kind of what we did here, but like faster. <laughs> if you've never been to a first Wednesday, it's a night of worship and prayer and prophetic ministry and a teaching moment. And if you need prayer, we can pray for you. It's just a powerful night where we get to go deeper. You know, Sunday mornings are for a great purpose and a certain purpose, but we get to kind of like peel the layers back and, and uh, we just get there a little faster. It's just like driving a race car a little faster. And so if you've never been to a first Wednesday, we, we anybody like Look, this is how I say it. You can struggle all month or you can go to First Wednesday and let God do it. And I feel like there's a word that I have in my spirit for you that's just going to be exactly what you need to hear from the Holy Spirit because it's exactly what I needed to hear. Um, hey, I have an exciting announcement. Small groups are starting up in the building here. So this is what churches are doing to adapt because we can do it here, right? And so um, we can't do it in homes yet. And so um, we've got financial freedom group. If you need your finances to my sermon series is called rebound. Um, as in let's rebound financially from this thing, like the Holy ghost double bouncing you on a trampoline because he can. And, uh, today's sermon is all about budget and the power of no. Anybody like hearing no? Well, financial freedom is one of the groups that's starting. There's a group about habits. Anyways, go to church center app and find that all, but they're happening here on Monday nights and Tuesday nights are the zoom groups. So men's group, uh, called the crux. And then the women's also have a group because the men's group was awesome. And they're like, we feel left out and we're like, we'll do something. And, uh, and so they're doing the, uh, a women's group as well. I want to get back in there and see what they're talking about. Cause I feel like they're talking about us and they feel like we're talking about them, but we're not really. Um, so get in on those zoom calls. Those are great big groups that we do on Tuesday nights, but then all the groups that run during the week in church center app, they're going to be running here uh, for the next couple of weeks here. And so, um, yeah, I just want to encourage you to get out. Um, today's sermon, I'm talking about budget ultimately is where it's going to land, but I'm going to talk about how you relate to your budget is how you relate to like altar times in your life and altar being what they used to put sacrifices on because budget is ultimately sacrificing now something for something that's much greater, um, later because that rhymes and you know that that rhymes. Simpsons lines, I'm sorry. We learn the power of no around an altar experience and, and how well you say no is how well you're, you're going to do and how well you hear no is how well you're going to do in the future with your budget. Now, how many people love it? Like if you come to first, second Wednesday, God is gonna say no to the devil over your life. So you can sit there and try to say no to the devil, or you can just come and be where God wants you to be, and then God will take care of it for you. But I love it when you come to church and you're all bound up with things, you're all worried about stuff, and you're afraid, and, and you're full of sin, and, and God just is like, okay, devil, go sit in the corner over there and think about what you did. I like it when God says no to the devil. I like it when God says no to my kids. Because I've been like, I'm trying to tell them, God, and they're not listening. I like it, God, when you say no to my kids. I especially like it when God says no to my wife. Don't act all holy if you're married. I love it when God says no to everybody else because I've been trying to tell them. You know who I don't love it when God says no to me? I like, I like, it, I like everything yes. 
like thumbs up. I don't like the thumbs down emoji. When I want something and God is like, no. I heard the word no a lot. You might have been one of those peace-loving children. I was not. I would always push the boundaries, you know, until dad said no. Here's something that as we enter this sermon time, thanks, Sean. As we enter this sermon time, I'm going to say no to Sean playing anymore. No, Sean. The power of no today. Here's something I want you to think about. Good dads say no. Good dads say no. You might not have had a good dad, and I'm going to be talking about how your relationship with your earthly father does have to do with your relationship with finances, because your earthly father's job was to teach you the ways of God, and you may not have had that. And so I'm not saying that it's something God can't fix and repair. Of course he can. But I'm just, we need to study this a little bit about how your relationship with your earthly dad really affects your relationship with your heavenly father. Now, I was super lucky. So I had a dad maybe that you didn't have. And so the relationship, when it transferred from God or from my dad to God, it was just an easy sort of a thing. And, um, and that relationship might not have been great for you, but, but my dad's job was to teach me about God and to teach me and to hear the power of no. Good dads say no. My dad said no a lot. My dad said, no, I don't know if this is like it is in your family. My dad said no a lot more than my mom did. If I wanted a yes, I'd go to mom and try to talk her into it. And then she'd go to dad and dad would just say no because it was a bad idea. That's just how it worked out. But good dads say no. No now is yes later and later is always greater. No now is yes later, and later is always greater. It's always worth the price. How do you, how do you get your kids from being, you know, those entitled adults that you see out there right now? I don't know if you've got any of them employed for you, but you know who I'm talking about. People are just like, this is all about me. And you're like, no, it's all about this. And, and um, I don't want my kids to be that way. So you have to say no to your kids. You know, I've been asked 47 times, by my kids during this time where they're staying at home. And thank God that school is starting tomorrow. Can I hear a hallelujah venue church? Let the teachers parent them. That's what we're paying them for <laughs> or whatever. I just don't want them in the house anymore. And so, but how many people know that if you want your kids to grow up and be beneficial members of society where they're not just taking everything and it's everybody else's job to feed them and take care of them and make sure they're feeling okay all the time. You have to say no to your kids. You know, dad, I've been asked 47 times, dad, can we like do this forever? Because I like not going to school. No, <laughs> no, no, Neela, you can't eat jelly beans and orange soda. That's not cereal. No. I want you to be an adult with teeth. No, here's one. Hey, we're going to church together. No, no. Did you know that the greatest, one of the greatest predictors of if your kids will go back to church after high school is if they have a job in church during high school, 80% of them come back to church and you're thinking like, well, that's, that's only a fun church. Well, you're welcome venue church. Cause this is the funnest church. Ever. No, that's right across the board over any church. And I saw some, some, some teens, some high school kids working in the kids' ministry in the last service, and I'm like, love it. Well, maybe some of your kids should be on the dream team, because, but maybe they're not because you're not on the dream team. I'm just saying, like, is this a, no, we go to church as a family. When I was a kid, it was like, hey, we're going to church as a family. No, God has something. No, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this because this is best for you. No now means yes later, and yes later is, is much greater. 
No, you're not spending all that on yourself. This is how you do it. We tell our kids all the time. No, you're not going to buy that. That's a bad purchase. You, you're going to give some, you're going to save some, and you can spend this on yourself, but you can't spend all the rest of it on tacos. <laughs> Good dads say no. You know, my dad didn't care if I liked him when he said no sometimes. But he said it because he loved me and he was stronger than I was. I, I like that about my dad. No, I don't, I'm not afraid of you. I don't, I'm not afraid of what you think about me. If this is the best decision for you, then no. The answer is going to be no. No, I don't need you to think or pray about cleaning your room, Katie. Just clean your dang room. I need to pray about it. Pray about what? You want to live in this house? You can pray about moving to a different house if that's what you want, but don't pray about it. No. I mean, good dads just say no, right? If you've never, if you're new to venue, we got lots of new people. If you're new to venue, read in the in the, read the venue code banner that we have out there. The venue code banner is how we think and how we feel about things. We we think it's how the Holy Spirit thinks and feels about venue. That code exists to give us the power to say no. Anybody can say yes to way too many things. You ever see the family that says yes to fifty-seven things in a week and? fries themselves you know they're just like so tired all the time well churches try to do that too you can't run 57 programs for this or that you know and so our power is our focus to do what god told us to do and not do what everybody else wants us to do you know the power to say no here's here's a here's a, a no on the venue code we believe in jesus as he is not as we'd like him to be we're letting you know that this is how we feel about it because if god says something to do then we're going to do that thing whether you like it whether i like it whether it's an altar experience. Every time you hear no, you got to put something on the altar. No only sounds restrictive if I'm immature. No, Corey, don't play in the street. You're taking my freedom away. You get your freedom to spend the rest of your life in a hospital. No, the power of no keeps you alive long enough to hear yes. It keeps you in the game long enough to hear yes. But it only sounds restrictive if there's something wrong in my heart. When a good dad, a good heavenly father says no, the power in your budget is the power to say no. It's not just the power to say no, it's the power to hear no. Now, everybody, if you're responsible for family or something, anybody, you're in charge of something, you want to have the, the authority to say no. That's your job as a leader, right? To say no sometimes, not all the time, but to say no. You will only have as much authority as you hear no. So it comes from somewhere. It doesn't come from you. And so my power to say no, like, no, no, we're not going to do that. The power to, to be obeyed is the power of obedience you give away for somebody else to say no over you. But no brings great freedom later. Um, we had a weekly Zoom call with our small group leaders and Chad was doing a teaching moment. I'm just going to like. I asked him if I could share this, and I love Chad. He's so vulnerable. You know what? Chad and Nicole, they do not have church people problems because they didn't grow up in church. They just had, like, sinner problems, and we're just glad that we're going to heaven. And Jesus has been really good. <laughs> you know, I love that about them. And they're just so humble. And Now, what you don't know is maybe Chad runs quite a, quite a few guys in, in, in people. I guess women do, but guys, inclusive. Um, he runs a lot of crews in what he does. But he's also a man under authority. He said, he opens that call with his teaching moment by saying, hey, I just want to give a shout out to Pastor Aaron. You ready for this? You all think Pastor Aaron is so nice. I want to give a huge shout out to Pastor Aaron because she told me the other day, this is like maybe a month ago or two months ago, something like that. She told me the other day 
hey, you, you need to get your kids to youth. And he's like, yeah, I didn't want to push them towards it. And he's like, and, and then and he said, she finally got to me when, when she said, I thought you were the boss. And he goes, I didn't like that, but she was right. And now my kids go to youth. That, that humility to be able to do that. And then they're seeing the blessings of God in that as well. The ability to hear no, that's why I'm putting him, in, he's now a team lead and he's in charge of stuff. Why? Because he has the power to hear no and to hear that correction be like, he said, I was thinking about it all wrong. And I realized after obeying the great blessing of that, oh, the power of no. You know that for God to change your life, he has to disagree with your life. My first job in the sermon is to get you into this place where you can hear no. Because if it was all working, why are you here? If you have everything that God has for you yesterday, why are you here today? You don't. We're, we're in this growth process, that, and growth is hearing no. Um, Chad is also doing the financial freedom group tomorrow night, and you need to come here. There's, there's only one way really to reset your finances and get on the rebound right now. That is to come to financial uh, freedom. It's Financial Freedom University by Dave Ramsey. Chad is doing that. Scott and uh, um, Gibson were doing this for a long time. They were getting tired, so we're like, hey, we're going to give it to Chad. And Chad, again, he's like, just tell us what to do. You just, if you want us to do this small group, great. If you want us to do that, great. You know? And so I just love that spirit about them. But if you need your, your resources reset, have I talked about small groups in this service already? They're happening. Okay. I can never, my brain goes into this, like you're preaching a lot of things. So, but the trouble is no, doesn't feel good. You know, when I was a worship leading for my dad in his church, which I did for years, I would pray about every song and I would have the Holy Spirit's song list. Worship leader. I prayed about it and God wrote them on tablets of stone and I took them down from Mount Sinai. And here we are with our worship list. And Lord, this is the only list for, and my dad would come in, my pastor, he'd come in and mess my life up on Sunday morning and be like, hey, I was thinking about this song. I think you should do this instead of that song. I'm like, no. I'm like, you don't understand. The Holy Spirit has spoken. And dad's like, I know. I want you to do this song. I'd be like, fine, I'll do this song. And then God made the service amazing. And lit the worship on fire. I'm like, fine. We'll, we'll do it that way if that's what God wants. Because that's what my pastor said. It was an amazing worship experience. And it turned out better than it was going to turn out. Fine. <laughs> it was like a month ago. I'm like, hey, we need to change that song in the worship service. You know what our team said? Fine. <laughs> do it. And God lit the worship on fire. No, they, were, they, were much better. they had much better attitudes than I had. It's a power to, to hear no. <laughs> what do you mean, yeah? That was my own wife there. No. That's true, man. Like, I'm a, I've heard no more than you could possibly imagine. My personality is like, it makes you say no. It's just that I've heard no so many times, but I've learned to appreciate the power of no. Um, Pastor Nate was here the last time that, you know, you were allowed to, like, go anywhere. And he was here, and I said, Pastor Nate from Substance. I'm like, you need to tell me, like, and he's a director on our board, like, financially, marriage. I'm like, if church, if you see anything... Just tell me no. Just, and then I said it like this. You can't just give somebody permission. You have to say it like this. You wouldn't withhold from me the blessing of God by not saying no. Like there's just no way you would do something like that to me. Like tell me no. I would rather hear no than go and do something stupid and then be like, oh no. That was good. Write that down. Oh no. And then have to fix it. Now you just tell me no. Straight up. If I'm getting weird, the ability to hear no. Now, the devil wants to isolate you, so you're the only one who says no. 
Now, now you, you might love to be the only one in your life who says no to you. But you have to give that power away to somebody else. You have to give that away to God and to the people that God sends you. Because if, if, if the devil can isolate your finances, he'll either get them all working in and about you. And he can, the devil can bless your finances too, but your whole life will be about you. That's why you got to give. Because giving reminds you that it's not, and it actually puts your heart in God's house. Um, but, but you get into trouble financially because we have this Canadian like, prickliness about, like, well, this is my money. You're going to get buried with a bunch of loonies in your, bunch of toonies if you're rich in your coffin. That'd be great. Just tell me where you're buried and I'll come visit you with a shovel. No, I'm just saying you can't take it with you anyways. You're just renting space. No, it doesn't belong to you. It actually belongs to God. And so as we talk about budget today, you need to understand you can't isolate yourself and be the only one who says no. You actually have to get that into the community of faith that God gave you because he will bless you in ways that you, he can't bless you if you're just going to be the only one in your life that says no and you won't hear the no of heaven. Now, subconsciously, daddy issues become money issues because money issues are whoever controls the money controls the relationship. And money represents control and authority. And so Aaron and I, like, I used to be in charge of the money, then she was in charge, and then I was in charge of the money, and now God is in charge of the money. Godly generosity and godly budget. And, and this is where I'm going to be talking to you about, like, the list of things that we budget, how we zero-based budget at the end of every month. But here's what I want to say. Your relationship with your dad will subconsciously affect how you think about money because your relationship with your dad affects how you think about God and how you think about God affects your relationship with money. Um, here's what I say. I would say, and, and the Lord showed me this one time. Some people, they grow up in such a bad experience that they're like, we're going to do the opposite of what our parents do because that's the right way. No, the opposite of a wrong way is just another wrong way because there's only one way that works for a family and to get your kids serving God. And there's only one way that God wants to do it. And the opposite of one of a thousand ways to mess it up is not the right way. And so you have to think about it different. You can't just do the opposite. That's not the same thing as doing the right thing. Because there's only one solution. There's only one answer to a math equation. And you can't just, well, if dividing it by this didn't work, I'll divide it by half of that. It doesn't work like that. And so, so think about how this has affected your life. Because I'm going to check a box that might be part of your story. I was lucky. I have a great dad. Um, so these things are not in my life. But my wife, I married a broken girl from a broken home. Uh, I love her. Her dad, he's a great guy, but he has some regrets. He listens to these podcasts, so i got to watch what I say. No, but he wouldn't want me to defend his mistakes, I don't think. Um, but here's the deal. Absent fathers tend to have children that grow up into adults that are far too self-sufficient. Just like you're in it too, all by yourself. You're trying to survive. You don't really trust anybody else. God's like, I, have, I, I can give you. you got to trust me. I've given you people. you got to trust people, man. It's not all about you. I can't do it all through your life. If your father was unfaithful, you might think that God has favorites and it's not you. It was like real. Are you going to, do you think God is faithful to you? Do you think that God's people are going to be faithful to you? You're going to have to work through some of those trust issues. If your dad was weak morally, you might be in a relationship with God now that you get used to, you know, if, you're, if your dad is weak morally, you get into this blackmail thing where it's like, I know this about you. So you're not going to tell this about me, but that don't work with God, a holy God, because he doesn't make deals with terrorists and he never changes his mind about what's right and wrong. And you just can't, you just can't, um, if your dad, I felt like I needed, I felt like the Holy spirit gave me this for somebody. If your dad was kind of weak in intelligence, maybe he wasn't the sharpest person 
You can grow up and think that you're smarter than everybody in the room. Then you meet your heavenly father and you think you're smarter than he is too. Um, just because the way that your mind works keeps telling you that. And God's like, the only smart that matters is the one that gets the result that I want for you. <laughs> and there's only one place to get it, and that's me. Um, and there's only one way to do it, and that's the way that I say to do it, not the way that you think will do it. If your dad didn't command obedience well, um, you know, your boss gives you an order at work, and you're like, yeah, I'll think about that. Because your dad never held your feet to the fire and said, that thing didn't get done. Here's what comes next. Well, then you go and you go from job to job to job because you, or you marry somebody or you have a relationship with God and you just don't think that anybody's going to call you out. Well, God is just and God is holy and you can only push God so far. Uh, maybe your dad spoiled you. You know, there's this entitlement of your life. Does anybody know entitled adults because they were spoiled? They never had to work for anything? It's just terrifying when an adult thinks like a child, feed me. Like, it's your job to feed me and see if I'm doing okay emotionally all the time. And I'm like, why is that my job? But if your dad spoiled you, my mom said one time, because she was the favorite of Grandpa Jim, and God told her to do something in, in prayer one time that she didn't want to do. And so she started in on this, like, spoiled child journey. But God just stopped her and said, don't try that cute stuff on me. It's not cute. I'm not Jim. That was good preaching. It's real quiet in here, so I assume you think I'm preaching to somebody else. No, it's good. I can, I can feel the word of God. You know, it's going to go in. We're trying to create this place that the word of God can go in just unfettered and un, unopposed because we need it. You know, a, a, a boy with a good dad learns early on, you don't fight against dad. Because my dad taught me how the kingdom of God works and how God works. And there's this river and this stream that God works through. And some people I see as adults, they just are swimming upstream against God all the time. And it's hard and it's difficult. And your life doesn't work and everything comes hard. And my dad's job was to teach me how to... But I learned when I was young, you don't wrestle with dad unless he wants to wrestle. But I remember I was 18 and my brother was 16. And we're like, finally, we're like, all right, old man, it's time. I didn't say old man out loud because my mom would have murdered me. You do not call your father old man. In this. I was thinking it. I'm like, all right, old man, it's time. Ryan and I are like, it's time. We wrestled dad down. But dad had, has old man strength. Anybody's dad have old man strength? I don't know. There's just those, got those farmer hands and he just locks them on your calf and just squeezes until you're screaming. And we couldn't do it. And there was two of us. You learn not to fight against dad. And when you come into a relationship with God, you learn God is stronger than you. But he's stronger than you because he wants to take care of you. You got to quit kicking against him when he's trying to carry you someplace. You just got to let him go where he wants to go. Now, your earthly dad's job was to teach you how to relate to the altar. How to relate to sacrifice. Because if you're in leadership in the home, you should be the servant of all. That doesn't mean you do what everybody wants you to do. That makes you a terrible leader. No, that means that you serve more and you work harder and you get up early. And that's what my dad did. And you stay up late making sure that it's right and making sure that we're honoring God. And their job was to teach you how to relate to sacrifice. And um, Genesis 26, I've been alluding to this in the, in the past. A severe famine now struck the land as it happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar, the land of the Philistines. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, don't go to Egypt like your father did. Abraham did, don't go there, he said, but get this, do as I tell you. 
How many people like that? I heard on the job site once, one guy said, like, do you always do what you're told? I'm like, yeah, and I get a paycheck. He was 50, and he was starting over in another career, and I'm like, maybe this is why you keep having careers, because you don't do what you're told, and sooner or later, people stop, get tired of paying you. And, and this is what God says straight up to Isaac. He's like, don't go down to Egypt. I know that's what Abraham did. I know that's where you think you'll eat and your people will eat and you won't lose all your stuff because there's a famine in this land. But he says, do as I tell you. And, and then listen, here's what I want to say to you. Don't leave just because you're hungry where you are. It's easy to, the grass is always greener. But man, I'll tell you, if you leave, you're just going to take all this stuff with you over there. And God, listen, God only blesses you where he tells you to go. And sometimes, some of us in the land of famine right now, I mean, 2020, some of us in the land of famine in your home right now, you're just like, man, I just want to leave and get a different family. It's happy. Stay in the land of famine if God tells you to stay in the land of famine. Go watch what happened. Isaac planted his crops that year. He harvested 100 times more grain than he planted. This is pre-chemical. This is impossible when the land is doing well. In the land of famine, he's the one idiot sowing seed. Can you imagine everybody around him is just like, what are you doing, man? You are wasting seed. No, wasting seed is eating it. He stayed and he sowed because God told him to stay because God didn't tell him to go. And he reaped a hundredfold that year for the Lord blessed him. How was he in this place where he could do something that would, you and I would struggle with this. Like, what? No, we're going to go here because like, People are not dying over here and people here are dying. Like we're going to go over and God's like, no, I need a light in this community. I need somebody on this block who loves me. Somebody who's going to stay and be a light. How could he just obey like that? Something that's so hard for, it'd be so hard for us because it makes no sense to us. I think before you put something on the altar, like a budget, I think that you actually have to get on the altar because if you, if you're doing a budget with somebody else, you're married to them or whatever. You're going to be asking them to put something on the altar too. Before you can ask anybody to put something on the altar, you got to get on the altar. Because this is what happened before. Abraham, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. This is when Isaac was a young boy or, a, you know, maybe a teenager. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. And immediately regretted it. Because this is what God said next. Some of us are like, yeah, what do you want? Right? Yeah, maybe. Take your son, your only son. Listen to this. He's so specific here. How many people know that God isn't general about what offerings he wants from you and sacrifice that he wants for you to do for your community and your family and your finances? Watch it. Take your son. He's like, my son, I, I've been waiting for Isaac for 25 years. Your only son, just so that you can be sure that this is the one I'm talking about. Isaac, got it. Whom you love so much. And he's like, yes, he's a gift from God. All my hopes for descendants are in him. This is it. This is my one and only son. Go to the land of Moriah and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. What? Sacrifice that thing? This is my only thing. All of my stuff and all of my servants don't matter. You want that thing? Why, why could Isaac sacrifice so easily? Because his father did. This is the first time 
that love is mentioned in the Bible. Did you know that? The first time that it's mentioned in this way, it's mentioned in the context of a father sacrificing his son on an altar. 1,800 years later, he said, go to the land of Moriah. I could preach a whole sermon about this. The land of Moriah, three days journey, walk with your son the sacrifice. Three days journey away, walk over there because Solomon built the temple there. And Jesus, like some 1,800 years later, was sacrificed there. If you get your budget right, I want to promise you it's not just about today and it's not just about tomorrow. There are generations that God wants to affect when you are disciplined and when you are generous. You don't even know how far down the road this goes. Love is mentioned and now love is fulfilled in the father sacrificing his only son. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. You can't tie a squirming child on an altar, everybody. If they don't want to go to school and spider monkey on the door jam, I saw that happen and mom's pushing her kid out the door, man. If that kid's got locked on there, I don't think that he was struggling though. And when God wants you to go on the altar, people of God, I think you just have to trust him enough to get on there. I think he's just like, well, dad, if this is what God wants, okay. Too many of us, I think, I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying this. We'll put God on the altar for our kids, but we won't put our kids on the altar for God. Then you start living your life through your kid. And God's like, that child, the only reason you're their parent is because they're supposed to belong to me. You don't sacrifice God for your kid. You don't say no to God and yes to your kid. You say yes to God and no, it's time to get on. And you're like, but that would warp him. Tell my kids they got to go to youth. That would warp them. Verse 12, don't lay a hand on the boy. An angel comes and says, do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Isaac, he does this impossible thing later in his life. This is where it came from because I think once he got on the altar, I don't think he ever got off of the altar. Now God provided another sacrifice at that time, but I think Isaac got the message like, no, no, no. That's why my father's the father of faith because even me, I'm not, I don't have the same relationship with him as he has with his God, his father. That's how that works. And I think he spent his, the rest of his life on the altar so that when God told him to stay and sow in the land of famine because he needed a light there and he needed prosperity there to help the people around him, that he's just like, okay, I'm still on the altar. I haven't got off the altar. Later in that same passage of God blessing Isaac in the land of famine, it says that Isaac built an altar. So don't you think when God asks you to sacrifice, I have four daughters, man, this is hard for me to put my daughters on the altar, but don't you think that that's going to hurt them? That's going to be the best thing for them. And their relationship with the altar is going to matter because of what I taught them about the altar because dad was already on the altar. I pray God that I'll just stay on that altar and show my kids that this is what an altar, this is what sacrifice looks like. All right. Let's talk about budget. You guys ready? All right. So wh why are we talking about budget? Look, the best thing that you can do is, is just get in financial freedom group. That's where Aaron, Pastor Aaron and I got our finances on track like six years ago. I just wish we'd have done it when we were 20. My daughter's doing this now, and she's like however old she is, which is awesome. Like, huh? 18. Makes sense. Yep, check. I have too many kids. 
my, my daughter Arwen is doing this, and I'm like, yes, because what God has done in six years with us, we just made a huge, like a big financial purchase because we had extra cash, that much cash, and more than that sitting in this budget because I don't know, when God multiplies it, I don't, I'm a numbers person, like this always adds up to this, but it doesn't when God's involved. He's like, sometimes I put a little multiply in there. Well, how did you do it, God? I don't know. Ask him when you get to heaven. He just does it. There's this thing that God wants to do, but you have to do two things. You have to be extravagantly generous with God. Then you have to budget and be extravagantly not generous with yourself. God is so generous with you, but he's not generous with himself. Why? Because you're a huge pain in the neck. And if he was generous with himself, he'd have perfect kids and he doesn't. He's got us. And he is so good to us. He's very generous with you, but he's not generous with himself. You have, that's what your budget is for. I'm going to say no to myself. The power of, I'm going to hear no. This is what we're going to do. We're going to just subscribe to this and do it. And when we went through this Dave Ramsey thing, we just said yes to everything. We're like, we're doing it all. And if you say yes to Dave Ramsey, you're going to have to say no to a lot of stuff that you were doing. But this is what we do. You've got to sit down and write your budget out. Here's what I, here's what I make. Um, now, if you're a salaried person versus a, you know, commission or whatever, just pick a low month and do your budget off of that. And then anything extra, pick percentages and then decide what you're going to do with that before you see the price tag on what you want. That's what budget is. I'm giving my word ahead of time not to buy it if it's not on my budget. I don't care if it's on sale, Pastor Aaron. That's what we fight about. I don't care if it's on sale. It's still four bucks that wasn't on the list. You know, there has to be, it's worth the fight to get your finances unified and under the, the, under the blessing of God, under the control of God. So listen, your expenses can't be more than your income. Like some of us, I mean, look, every person that I ask, like, hey, how are you at budgeting? Real good, real good. Most people don't even have a budget. They just mean I don't spend as much as my neighbor does on dog food. Well, that's because you got a cat. Why you have a cat, nobody knows. But you got a cat. And so all we mean is like, hey, we're doing better than somebody. That's not the same thing as, look, this is what a zero-based budget does. At the end of every month, that budget can be zero. That's fine. That's what it's there for. It's there to spend on that. So we have Good Budget app. That's what we have on our phone so that every dollar she spends and every dollar I spend at Starbucks, and she's like, hey, you're putting somebody's kids at, through college at Starbucks, and I want our kids to go there. And every dollar you spend, because this uh, TAP credit card deal, Man, you don't feel anything anymore. It's like, ha, free money. Let's buy that stuff. Man, you got to feel every dollar. You got to track every single dollar. Can I, any budget people been through this? Every dollar, man. Now find whatever motivates you. You know what motivates me? Pastor Aaron just wants to pay the house off. That's what motivates her in the monthly budget to say no. Like, no, I'm not going to buy that thing. She wants to pay the house off. We got two years left. Don't tell her we've got less than that. It's a surprise. Two years and then we're done. We're going to move into a bigger house that we can't afford. No, no, we're done. We're done. Me, I hate losing. I mean, I like winning, but I, it's because I hate losing. And every month when I get to the end of that budget and I got a few extra bucks in every one of those envelopes and I can shuffle stuff and I can put more into my vacation budget, I'm like winner, not loser. I'm not a loser. You can't tell me that I'm a loser. I'm a winner. Stupid budget. Yeah, that's, I don't know. It, it works for me. You've got to find whatever motivates you to do this. If you're tired of fighting in your home, get your finances under the order of God. And I'll bet you that the fighting, because fighting has to do with power. And when you're both under the power of a godly budget, then you have not much to fight about anymore because you said you were going to do it, so keep your word. And Corey, you said you were going to do it, keep your dang word, you know? Dang, I like that word. All right, so come on up, worship team. Um, 
So here's, what, here's the items that I have in my budget, right on good, good budget. Every time that I pay for something, my phone comes out. If I, I'm going to be giving here, uh, maybe after this service, and so I go out there. Every time that happens, my phone comes out, goes in the budget, comes out of my budget. Zero-based budget, that's what it's there for. So, so our first thing that we have is giving. Now, we will give before we pay the electricity bill. We got candles. We'll work it out. Because giving, and I'm going to be talking about this maybe next week, if you, if you don't give, you'll eat the seed, and that seed is your miracle tomorrow. You're, that seed is what God is like, good, I've got this, good. Let me just give into this. Um, so we give first before we do anything else. You know what? We always have more than what we gave away anyways. Like 90%, God asks for 10%. I'll be preaching about this. God asks for 10%. We give a lot more than that just because we haven't figured out a way to outgive God. I, I still don't know. Every, every time I give a little more, God just like turns around and like... Mm. And so we give first. Our house payment is real high, so that comes out, you know, right at the top. Uh, there's living. For us, that's like groceries and birthday presents and haircuts. You might need to specify a little bit more if you like buying too many birthday presents for people. I'm the only one who gets haircuts in my home because the girls all cut their own hair or something. So that's great. Um, but that's our, our house, our living budget. We saved, when we did this, eventually $600 a month in the living budget. The one. What would you do with seven grand in a year? The thing is, you already have it. You're just not tracking it. It's just not working for you. You're working for it. And so you already have, like you, some of you want to be more generous with God. You already have it. It's just not doing what it's, you're telling it to do because you're not tracking it. You're not in unity about it. You need to, then there's like gas, school for activities. You know, the kids want to be in orienteering. I don't even know what that is anymore, but you know, we got the 30 bucks. So yeah, we put a little bit away every month. Uh, entertainment, that's like movies and uh, eating out, stuff like that. Starbucks, that's my Starbucks. Aaron can go in there and be like, um, clothes, that to me is my fun money. You got to have a little budget for fun money, which is mean like I can, I can spend $30 on tacos and my wife can't get, give me heck because it's my fun money. Except for she'd be like, you ate 30 tacos? Oh my goodness. Straight to the ER. Okay. Um, utilities, insurance, vehicle, vacation. And then when you go on vacation, you're not spending in debt and you've got it. And then you go on vacation and you're guilt-free, unless you're a pastor because nobody wants you to go on vacation for some reason. No, when we go and my kids budget for their plane tickets so we can go to Mexico once a year or whatever we want to do, or not, if you don't want to save for it, it's up to you. But when we go, it is zero guilt because we've got the cash sitting and ready to go. And it's, now whatever your situation is financially, there's somebody in the room that has had it much worse than you that has already seen the victory on the other side. You're going to hear some of these stories, like from Chad and Nicole, of people who, who owed more than you did. And through all this financial thing, God will bless you because it's according to God's word and financial principles in the Bible. And I want you to, to tell you, you got to remember, God is the God of revival, but he can't revive what's not dead. And a budget is like, I am dead to spending. I will spend what's in my budget. And it's funny that the enjoyment in your life goes up the less you have sometimes because the power of no. God has a pleasure switch and we enjoy what we have because we don't buy all that useless crap that we had before. We enjoy what we have far more now than we ever enjoyed any of that stuff anyways. It's something about God. He's just like the fun switch, the pleasure switch, the extra. And now we get to be generous like we want. I'm telling you what, it's a life changer. Come on, worship team, let's sing God of Revival.